So good to praise the Lord and worship together. I sure enjoy coming to church and <clears throat> worshiping Him, getting the Word of God together. Amen. Praise God. Well, guys, we are in a series right now called Noah, and we, we are in week five, and this will probably be the last week uh, that we study the... I said Book of Noah again, didn't I? That is stuck in my head. There is no Book of Noah. I'm teaching like heresy up here. No. It's the Book of Genesis, okay? It's not one of those like apocryphic... Proc, proc, what is it? I forget the word. Books that you don't know about. It's uh, the book of Genesis, but we're studying the life of Noah. And, hey, y'all get up here and try this, okay? This, you know, this ain't easy. I'm, I'm kidding. But we've been looking at uh, God sees, God preserves, God judges, and following that process with Noah, also with uh, Lot, Sodom, and Gomorrah, and specifically looking at the life of Noah, and God sees, we saw that part, then God preserved Noah and his family, then God judged the earth, and then the next part, which is what we're going to look at today, is God renews. And that is also what happens in the end, because we were, we've also been studying how um, the life of Noah and the story of Noah parallels what's going to happen in the end times. Jesus is the one who told us that because he said in the last days it would be like it was in the days of Noah. And he also said in the days of Lot. So we've been studying those two examples to kind of know either how things are going to end or also potentially what we may walk through and what we need to be prepared to walk through as a church body and as a society. And so today we're going to look at the fact that God renews. Now I want you to use your imagination with me just for a moment. And I want you to think about Noah as he sat on the bow of the ark after the floods have came, the deeps have burst open, and now the only ones left on the earth are he, his family, the animals. Noah, in my mind, I can just see Noah, he's sitting on the bow of the ark. And everything is completely quiet. All he's hearing is the, the eerie sound of the water. It's dark. It's gloomy. And, and he's just kind of sitting there. I don't know if he had a rocking chair or, or what. But he, he's sitting there on the bow. And he's just contemplating everything that's just happened. And you can imagine all the thoughts and the emotions that, that must have been going through his mind as he sat and looked out at the awesome, terrifying power of God that had just completely destroyed and judged the entire earth and I'm not sure what you would be thinking but I'm, I'm thinking me I might be thinking wow this was really severe this was really severe the whole world has been destroyed wiped away Richard can you turn me down just a little bit please the whole world has been wiped wiped off the planet and it's just me and my family uh, then I'm also on the other side I'm thinking about the grace of God and the the, the hope that I have for the future of what the world could be now, you know, because the, the plan was for God to start over and, and uh, raise, you know, through a, a righteous family like Noah, hopefully raise families and generations that would never get back to the point that it was before, before the ark. But what we know from Scripture is that it actually will get back to that point right before the return of Jesus because Jesus said that the days that precede his coming will be the worst days that 
that were ever on this earth. And, and there was nothing before it and nothing after it that'll ever be that bad. Um, so we know that probably the days of Noah were like that. And we know that the days right before the return of Jesus will be like that. They will be very difficult, very wicked, very sinful, very perverse. And then Jesus will come and he will renew everything. He will judge as in the, book of, as in, as in the story of Noah, but then he will renew everything as well. Let's look at that in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. It says, but God remembered Noah... And all the beasts, remember, everything's been judged at this point. Now we're getting into renewal. God remembered Noah and all the beasts and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat, and the waters continued to abate until the tenth month. You see all the dates and things that are being recorded, the specific months, the specific days, the, the specific times. This is one of the things that lets us know uh, this, is not a, this is not a parable, or this is not a fable, or this is not a mythological story, as some people have tried to say that it is. Uh, one of the ways we know that this is intended for this to be a historical record is the documentation that you see on the specific days. It says 150 days, the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, and uh, the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So uh, God is, as you know, God is very detailed, and he keeps very accurate records of everything. And this was one thing that was meticulously documented and kept for us. So it is a fact. It is a historical record according to Scripture. Now what begins to happen after this is Noah sends out a raven and a dove, and they come back, no luck. Verse 10, he waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf, so Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. So this is the first sign of anything being alive on the earth other than what's already in the ark. This little olive bud that this bird brought back is the first sign that, hey, things are beginning to come back to life. And there is a renewal process that has begun. Verse 14. Now, at this point, just so you know, as, as when we're reaching verse 14, Noah has been on the ark for one year and 10 days. See, when you read and you think 40 days, 40 nights, well, that's how long it rained. But then the, then the, the, the ark floated around for a while. <laughs> and then it rested on the Mount of Ararat for a while. And if you go back and look at all the dates and timelines and everything that he was giving, it ends up being one year and 10 days until Noah steps foot off the ark. That's a long time. That's a lot of uh, elephant stuff <laughs> and other things to, to clean up with and take care of. I feel sorry for Noah's kids because if they're anything like mine, they were doing all the work and I was just... No, I'm kidding. That's how you train them right, though, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> Verse 14, in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. 
Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. This is the process of renewal that is beginning. So we're, we're going from extreme wickedness to extreme peace. All violence has stopped. Uh, I don't know about all, but a lot of wickedness has stopped. A lot of sin has stopped, the majority of it. But, you know, Noah and his family were still carrying it too. But all of that has stopped. And now you are just on earth alone. This sounds like an apocalyptic movie or something. You know, if you've ever seen those movies where somebody's like roaming the earth and they're the only ones on the earth, it, it's like that. I mean, this is what's happening. Can you imagine what Noah lived in before? The horrific violence and sin that he had seen, that his family had been raised in, and now all of that's just gone. Nothing but complete peace and serenity, a few animals, a few people, and now the whole earth is just basically silent and peaceful and at rest. And this process of renewal begins. Verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Kind of on a side note there, that tells us a little bit about um, the, the constancy and the consistency. What was that? <clears throat> that we can expect until the, the return of Jesus, all the way until his second coming. You know, a lot of people have theories and ideas about how the, how the world is going to end, how the earth is going to end. But one thing we know from Scripture is that the Bible tells us, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, there's going to be some predictability to things, at least all the way up until the return of Jesus. So God began to renew the earth. And everything that we see now, you look across the planet, every person we see, every, every animal, every tree, every bit of life that we see on the planet was renewed from this point forward. Everything died, and then it began to renew. Now, the end time, that when God comes and begins to recreate a new earth and a new heaven, a new earth, as the Bible teaches us, um, it's going to be, he's going to start over completely. And we're going to get a new earth without any sin, without any violence. We're going to get new heavens, new earth. It's all going to be rebuilt and renewed. Now, we're going to spend some time talking about that at the end of the sermon. But I want to also bring up another point that this is the God that we serve. And the God that we serve is really good at renewing things and making things right in this life also. Now, I know, I know we have that to look forward to in the end, you know, and sometimes as Christians we can go there immediately like, well, you know, if things don't work out in this life, at, le at least they'll work out in the next. And praise God for that, that's true, and that really should be where our focus is. But I also want to remind you that you do serve a, a God 
that can take really messy, really destructive, really bad situations now and renew them and turn them around now also. And I want to make sure that we have that right as well because how many of you could say, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you could say that uh, there's been times in your life where you've made a mess of things? Somebody raise your hand. That's okay. It's a, no, I said, I said you don't have to raise your hand. I just had somebody, I want to raise it. You know, I, it needs to go up high. Um, we all have. We all have. I can look back on times in my life, and I'm, I, I said things, did things, and you can't. You can't go back and redo it. can't go back and change it. But praise God, we do serve a God that loves to get involved in people's lives and renew and restore and redeem and take really bad situations, really ugly situations, and then bring new life, new fruit out of those situations. Now, there's a process to get God involved in those situations. Okay, it's not wishful thinking. It's not just knowing that he's a God that can do it. Really, the Bible is very clear about how to get God involved in, the, in those situations. We're not going to talk about it this morning because that would be a whole other sermon series, really, that uh, I, I may get into, actually. But for now, I just want you to know, okay, if you're going through something, maybe you caused it, maybe you didn't cause it, maybe, you, 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 maybe it's in your health, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's with your kids, and, and you look at it and you go, this is impossible, this will never change. I just want you to know that that might be true from the natural, but it's not true from God's standpoint. And we do serve a God that is amazing at getting involved in really messy, ugly situations and has a way of just putting those pieces back together piece by piece. And then you look up one day and you go, you go, wow, he took something that was terrible and made it beautiful. Yes. You know, yes. amen. And, uh, I, a few weeks ago, my son and I, we were, we were riding dirt bikes around, you know, if, if ever you're out in the Gardner area, um, just watch out, okay, because we, we could come flying across the road any minute. We just, we're out there riding, having a good time, and we got all kind of trails and stuff we ride, and on this particular day, we were going for a short ride, and so I didn't, uh, it was just he and I, and I, and I didn't bring a lot of water with me, and it was very hot because uh, we were supposed to be just going on a short ride. And he said, he said, Dad, uh, you know, let's take this other big long trail. And I kept telling him, I said, we don't have time to do that. I said, it's, I didn't bring enough, we didn't bring enough water. You know, we're, gonna, we're hot, we're sweating, we're going to get dehydrated. I said, we got to just take this short little loop. And he kept saying, come on, Dad, let's take this big long loop. Let's take this big long loop. You know, it's, it's going to add a lot of time to our ride and all. And I was just like, no, let's, let's not do it. We don't have enough water. That was what I kept saying. And then he, he, we made a little stop, and he takes his backpack off, and he pulls out something. It's called a grail. I, you may not be familiar with what it is, but it's a water filtration device. And he pulls it out of his bag, and he said, water's not a problem, Dad. <laughs> he said, I got, this, I got this thing right here, and we, we happened to just stop by this mud hole. And he said, look, there's some water right there. I got the water filtration, so now we can, we can make fresh water on our own. And he, and he was right. And you ever been in that situation as a parent where you're like, you thought you had a, 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 a locked up tight excuse, <laughs> and then they just completely dismantle it, and you have one or two choices. You get to make up a new excuse or look, look like a complete fool, or, and then, or just give in and go, oh, well, yeah, that really was the reason. And so since you solved it, I have to 
now I'm, I'm fine with it. So I said, oh, okay, well, so now we have water. And so we did, we went on this big long ride. It was long, it was hot, it was all of that. But I want to point you back to this, this device. It's called a grill. And it's a, it's a very simple water filtration device. Most people use it for backpacking and hiking and things like that. But it really can take nasty water, you know, that might be full of bacteria and, and microbes and, and, all, and even dirt and all of this stuff. And just by a simple press, it turns it into clear, beautiful, drinkable, life-saving water. And I was thinking about that when I was thinking about how God works sometimes. Because <clears throat> the, the way the thing works is you'll, you'll go down and get a scoop of this big nasty water. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, I don't want to drink that. you know. And you pour it in and you think, there's no way this is going to work. And you do the press and you do everything. And you just see this clear, beautiful water coming out. It's like all the mess and, and all the nastiness is left behind. And the pure, just beautiful, life-giving water comes to the surface. And you go... I, I never would have thought that could have happened. Uh, I never thought that could have been turned into this. And it does. And I just want you to know that God can do that in your life. He can take that, that nasty stuff, that gross, just broken thing. And again, listen, and then if you say, yeah, but it's my fault. You know, I did this. It was my choices. Hey, that's the start. That's great. Own it. Beautiful. You, you'll never get God involved without doing that. But, but that doesn't disqualify you. From, from God getting involved. Because, God, because that's, that's, every, that's every person. You know, the reason we need God is because of who we are. <laughs> and then who He is and what He can do. We make mistakes. That's what we do. It says that God knows our weakness. He knows that we are just dust. He knows our frame. But yet He loves to show loving kindness, mercy, grace, forgiveness. And you think, <laughs> you think well, I don't deserve that. Yeah, but no one does. And yet God gets involved, and he takes, and he can, he can rebuild. Have you ever seen those, those, uh, puzzle, those puzzles that you buy at the store? You know, they're like 5,000 pieces. And, and when, we buy the when we buy the puzzle, we always buy it because of the picture on the box, right? You see the picture, and you go, and you're sucked in by that beautiful picture. And you go, that looks fun. And you have this crazy idea. You think, well, that'll be like fun, family time, putting this together. Putting puzzles together is not fun, by the way, if you've ever done it. It is not fun. And you realize that once you dump the box out. Right from the beginning, you realize, what was I thinking? This is not going to be fun. Now, if you're one of those weird people that like putting puzzles together, there's something wrong with you, and you should probably seek help. But if you're like the rest of everyone else, okay, it, you, get, you get about a few pieces in, and, you, and especially when it's those little tiny pieces. And the smaller they are, the more annoying it is. And then right as you start, you know, you got, everybody has a process. You know, some people do the edges first. Some people put all the colors. You know, you have a process. You start trying to work it. And, and then sometimes you get that piece that you, you think, you get excited because you go, oh, that fits there. And then you go to do it, and you kind of know it doesn't fit. And you just, you're like, you know, you just, you just kind of <laughs> shove, shove it in anyway, and then it doesn't work, and you got to pull it out. And that's all the annoying process. But... If you stick with it, what do you get? You get, you get the end product. And then, so the, the puzzle is almost deceptive because it just shows you the end first. It just says, look how beautiful. This, this is where you're going. This is what you can have. It doesn't tell you anything about the grueling process that you're involved, about to go through and, and get involved in. 
And all I can tell you this morning, you know, all I can sort of present to you is the, the puzzle top. I can say, this is what God can do in your life. Okay. Are you going to take it home? And yeah, there's a lot of puzzle pieces and all of that to work out. Yeah, but if you stick with it, you'll get there. You'll get there. You'll, you'll end up with that box, that box top. And for a lot of us, I think some of the things that keep us going sometimes is the box top. If you keep going with a puzzle, you know, you keep it set there and you, you look at what you've got compared to what it could be and you go, well, maybe just a few more, you know, and you work and, and you keep seeing that box top and it kind of motivates you and it pushes you, it gives you vision to go forward. And a lot of us are in that process. You know, you may feel like that right now. You're like, I'm putting the pieces together and it's not fun. You know, I'm, I'm putting the pieces together. But listen, when you get God involved, how many of you like to have God help you put a puzzle together? Because Amen. Amen. he already knows where all the pieces go. It's, it's like when your kids get you involved in the puzzle. You're not me. If they get me involved, it gets worse. But, you know, they're, they're putting it together like we need, a, we need somebody bigger, better, smarter, right? That's what they don't call me for. But they call their mom. And they, you know, mom will help now and get all the pieces together. We need that sometimes. We need, this is hard, but God, let God get involved and God help because God is great. There's nobody better than God than taking a jumbled, messed up situation and redeeming it and renewing it and making it right. It's what he does. It's who he is. It's not a burden to God. It's a joy to God. It's a joy to God. And again, I know I've dealt with enough people to know as a pastor. People, they, there's a certain type of person they just love for some reason. They just, they love to just beat themselves up and, and almost punish themselves by thinking about all that they did wrong and all the people they hurt and everything they messed up. And, and listen, you can live there if you want to, but the Bible tells us that it's Satan that brings that type of accusation, not God. So if you do that, you're, you're letting him stop you and prevent you from getting to that, that puzzle box top. And I'm just telling you that God, that's not how God even thinks, okay? Matter of fact, I want to read a scripture that I hadn't planned on reading, but I, I want to read it to you because this just tells you the heart of God so, so well on this. This is <clears throat> Psalm chapter 103, verse 8. Now, I want you to listen to this. It says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are, and he remembers that we are only dust. Well, aren't you glad that's how God feels about you? And you go, yeah, but I did all this, and, and I messed it up, and I broke it, and it's my fault. Yeah, you deserve. That's what this says. It says, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Guess what? The beauty and the goodness of the gospel is you don't get what you deserve. You do deserve. You do deserve. But you don't get what you deserve. Not when you get God involved. Not when you get God involved. Doesn't mean you don't have to put a lot of pieces together. Doesn't mean you don't have to walk through some stuff. Okay? Doesn't mean you're not going to experience some pain, difficulty, tears, 
repayment, forget, it okay, doesn't mean there's going to be no consequences, all of that. I'm just saying that when you get God involved, the putting back together of the pieces is, is full of grace, full of blessing, full of love, and you're going to be much better off getting God involved than trying to do it on your own. Amen? Amen. So first thing that I want us to remember is that when it comes to renewal, it's not just waiting for the next life. It's not just waiting for the next life. God can renew, God can restore now. And I would encourage you to get God involved in that process as soon as possible. Amen? Amen. Now, when you get God involved, a lot can turn around. A lot can turn around. Um, sometimes you didn't make the mess. You know, sometimes you're just living it. You're just a byproduct. Sometimes things happen in our life and we question why. We don't know why. We're not, blam you know, we're not necessarily blaming ourselves. We may look at it and go, well, I, I don't know why things happened this way. I don't know why they turned out this way. I'm hurt. I'm confused. I have a lot of questions. Guess what? That's normal, too. That's normal, too. That's probably a lot how Job felt. Because Job didn't do anything wrong to go through what he went through. Job experienced tremendous amount of heartache and pain. He didn't even do anything to deserve it. But all I know is how things turned out for Job after. In Job 42.10 it says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So God is a master at turning things around, and it's not just waiting for the next life. He can do it in this life as well. Now, ultimately, our hope is on the next life. And the beauty of it is, even if things don't turn around just like you want them to or just like you hope they did, the beauty is, is that they will turn around in the next life. And so the renewal that we are waiting for, the, the restoration that we are waiting for, yeah, we pray for it, believe for it, work for it in this life, but if we don't get it, we do know it's coming the next life. Amen? Second Peter 3.13 says, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We know that God is going to restore the earth. He's going to restore the heaven. And this life will seem but just like a short little bad, you know, night in a hotel room compared to what God is, is going to have for us waiting. Revelation 21.1. John wrote, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. See, in my heart, this is one of the days that I look forward to. I love serving God. I love living for God. I've got no complaints against God. I've got no complaints about the, the hand that I've been dealt. I'm blessed on every side. I love living and serving God. But I do look forward to a day where I can interact with God face to face. Eye to eye. Even as He is. See and behold Him. And this is what this... This is, it's, everything throughout human history is moving towards this point. And it's in the heart of every person. I mean, if you serve God, 
If you follow God, uh, it's in the heart of every person to know Him like that. We all want to know God and see God and be with God. And this is what it says. Behold, that moment has arrived. John is seeing it and he says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is what we are moving towards. So listen, if you're going through this life, uh, you know, and you look around, you see the devastation in the, in the society, in the culture. You see the problems you're walking through as an individual, and maybe you're, you know, losing uh, faith or hope, and you need encouragement to go forward. Just remember that renewal is coming. I believe renewal can come in this life too. But if it doesn't, we have something to look forward to and it's going to come a lot faster than you think. It's going to come a lot faster. But we're all moving towards this point where the dwelling place of God will be with man. You will see God. He will see you. The intimacy and the relationship that we have there will not be anything like we have today. No matter how close you are to God, it's not compared to anything of what it will be like then. You know, this part in verse 4, where it talks about God Himself actually wiping away every tear from, from their eyes. To me, that, that shows you the care and concern that He has about your life and what you've gone through. You know, sometimes when I pray for people, I think about that. I'll even say that in the prayer. I'll say, you know, God, you know every detail of their life. You know every pain, every hurt, every abuse, every traumatic experience, um, every time someone is betrayed, every time someone who should have loved them or should have been there for them wasn't. He knows everyone, and he cares so much that it says on this day, he will be the one to personally wipe away the tear from your eye. So he's not distant from what you're going through. It may feel like that sometimes, but God is very involved in what is happening in your life. And you may think, well, God doesn't care. He's got so many people to care about. Yeah, well, that's because you're looking at it from a human perspective. But it's not hard for God to care for 7 billion people. It's not not hard for God to care individually for you like there was no other person on the earth. The Bible says he knows your name. He has a whole record and history of your life that was written down from the moment you were born until now. He knows the number of the hairs that are on your head, which for some people is easier to keep track of than others, but, you know, he still knows. He knows the, the, the number of hairs on your head. No, it's not hard for God to keep track of the things that are going on in your life. He knows every detail. He knows every thought you've ever had. He knows every question you've ever had. And listen, I don't know how it all works. You know, I don't know how he can be everywhere at once. I don't don't understand that. But I do know that when you're there on that day, it will be like you're the only one. And this will be a moment, I believe, that you have with God. This will be the moment of moments where you are face-to-face with God and he is wiping away every tear from your eye 
there will be no mourning, no crying, no pain. In other words, everything you ever experienced that's caused you pain, hurt, loss, death, difficulty, every bit of it will be wiped away in a moment. If you've ever sat down with someone like a, a pastor or a counselor or a friend and you begin to process very traumatic, hurtful things in your life and you just feel like there's this cleansing, this healing that's, that's coming in that area, this will be the ultimate moment where you sit down with God. And God heals, restores, renews your soul, your mind, every hurt, every pain, every wound, healed. And you are for the first time your real self. The first time the real you that you were created to be. The one that never experienced any hurt, abuse, disappointment. The person that God made you to be for the first time, you'll be the real you right there in the presence of God. There are people you interact with in your life that you feel like, man, there's just this wall, there's this barrier, I can't ever get through to them, they're so hard to connect with, they keep everybody out. Yeah, that's all from all of these pains and hurts and dysfunctions and things. You're going to talk to people sometime in heaven, you're going to meet people in heaven that have gone through this healing process, it's going to be like you met them for the first time. Because you never even saw that side of them before. You never even saw that healthy whole side. There's some of you that have parents, dads, moms that like you, you, you're not close to, they're distant brothers, siblings that you're not close to because, you, you know, there's just, there's a breach in the relationship for whatever reason. For the first time, if they were saved and gave their life to the Lord, it's going to be like you met them for the first time. You're going to be like, I never even knew this side of this person. Yeah, because you never knew them healthy. You never knew them whole. And... God himself is going to be the one to wipe away every tear, heal, wash, restore, redeem. Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not even be remembered or come to mind. You think you're going through something hard now? You think it's difficult? It probably is, but just keep it in your mind. There's going to come a day where he says you'll not even remember it and it'll not even come into your mind. I think about that sometimes when I think back, uh, you know, when babies are born. You know, I've been in the hospital when my own kids were born and other, uh, you know, people in the church, babies are born and, and uh, you know, baby comes out and that baby's just so upset. I mean, that baby's screaming at the top of his lungs, is having things, is giving it touch places, it don't, having things stuck in its ear, mouth stuff getting sucked out, things being cut that it don't want cut, you know, all kind of things happening. And it just is so unhappy, and it's screaming. And I'm thinking, I think, it seemed like an hour later, it don't even remember. It don't even remember anything happened to it. And certainly none of us actually remember all of those horrible things happening. Uh, today, you know, it happened, but you don't even remember it. It's like it never happened. And this is what this is talking about. It says, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. All of it will be washed away, clean. Doesn't mean you'll have no memories, but all of those painful memories will be washed away. All of those things that caused you hurt and pain will be gone. Revelation 21.5 it says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Everybody say, all things. all things. That means nothing's left out. 
I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is finished. It is finished. Think about all the pain and all the horrible things that have happened in the history of this planet. All the wars, all the abuse, all the famine, all the drought, all the the natural disasters, all the horrible things that have happened in our history. And God will make the decree. He will say, behold, it is finished. It's done. No more. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. This is what we're moving towards. We're moving there. Every second that passes, we're moving there. We're, we're headed that direction. See, this is what gives us fuel. This is what gives us hope. This is the greatest thing that Christianity offers. Sometimes the way, you know, Christianity is preached, you know, it's like trying to relate to the culture and, and try, and then you get into the psychology and all of the modern stuff. Listen, that's, that's all fine. There's a place for all of that. But this, what we're talking about, this is what Christianity has to offer. Christianity has to offer a hope for your eternity. A hope for your eternal soul. Okay, Christianity doesn't promise to fix everything in this life. And, and what's the point of fixing everything in this life if your eternity is not secure? Okay? Christianity doesn't just only have answers for this life. It does have answers for this life. There's a lot of great answers for this life. But, but what the, the, the golden prize egg that Christianity offers is what is coming for the next life. Because what is coming for the next life will be so amazing that we won't even remember a lot of things that were going on in this life. It's coming, and we're moving towards that. We're headed that that way with every moment that passes. So this is the God that we serve. It's a God that renews, a God that restores, a God that redeems. I want to encourage you, just because we're moving towards this in eternity, doesn't mean God can't restore now. But I'll tell you this, as you go through that restoration process now, because it takes a lot of patience and, and work, it's very powerful to have this other perspective as a backdrop to everything. As you're working and believing God to restore and, and bring health and, and all of that in this life, that's great. But do it with this other backdrop of, hey, whether it happens or not, everything's going to be restored. It's, we're, we're headed towards this beautiful moment in eternity with God either way. Amen. Praise God.